You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Because I had to work at seven. And I was up first. I was up till about one finishing my topic. And then I did like the typical I need to wind down. And then somewhere around two, two thirty in the morning, I couldn't remember Sam and Bucky's ship name. So I started making my own ship names for them where I got Bum. Bum. And then I also got Sack. Which. <laughs> You just call Bucky Buck. <laughs> you could also go for Sucky. You could also go for Sucky. <laughs> or just Suck. <laughs> you should also go for Sacky, I guess. Sacky. <laughs> every part of every every part of this is just the fucking worst. <laughs> this is why they don't use those parts. So that's I was up thinking about that for at least twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the excuse of being up no. at like dick o'clock this yeah, morning. Pretty dick o'clock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Great. But um, today, yeah, July fourth. Happy birthday, Captain America. Happy Steve Rogers. birthday, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Specifically, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. It's Steve Rogers' birthday. He doesn't have his own Wikipedia article, and we're mad. And we're still mad about still it. Still mad. He's one of one hundred and two. At least that's what I like to call him. <laughs> I don't know. We'll remember, he had probably no, like eight different birth years. Not that part. Just the what? That's what I like to call him. I like to call him one hundred and two. Good old one hundred and two. <laughs> but um, we bought some champagne for uh, Cap's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, happy Cap! Birthday, Cap! I we got some cinnamon rolls this morning again, like last week. Mm-hmm. And the special cinnamon roll I got today was the Captain, Captain America. America bun. Hey. It was, it was Who doesn't yummy. love Captain America, but he's America's ass. Mm-hmm. You're literally <laughs> Captain America. Captain America. Our whole kitchen is Captain, Captain America. America. And you know, cats and pigs, but like. There's a, they're little. Yes. Those are just the accents. <laughs> Caps and pigs accents <laughs> is the weirdest thing. No, I bet Chris Evans loves cats and pigs. How could you not? He definitely loves dogs, and pigs are great. Cats are also great. Whoop! I know, super late. <laughs> I was talking about cats. I got distracted. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck sticks. Okay. We just went with Andre today, the $7 bottle of Andre. Which and also seems kind of like a ripoff. Well, the taxes here. Tax! Massachusetts. True. I don't, they like fucking glued the motherfucking gold foil onto it. You're like, it's fine. You never wanted to actually really drink this, understand. right? Would you like to look at this shiny gold foil? Doesn't <laughs> it make you feel good about your life and your choices? No. Your $7 choices no. with tax? And today we got a truly lemonade seltzer. And the lemonade seltzers are so lemony. So if anybody likes drinking lemon pledge in seltzer <laughs> form... <laughs> this is it for you. But it's really good when it's mixed. Like, we added it with uh, the lime seltzer at one point. Yeah, that was yummy. I like putting limoncello in my champagne. Same. So I was like, let's try it with the seltzer. Yeah. That way, and that's why I was also like, we can just get shitty champagne because we're just cutting it anyways. Fair. 
All right. Moving on up in the this world. Is, this is episode 14. Yeah. We already said we that. Are, I don't think we did. No, we didn't. We are on episode 14. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Mm. Somehow we're there. Yeah. It's been 14 weeks of quarantine plus a bunch of other ones. <sighs> yeah. It's just cool. so much shit. We're oh, sort wait. Of, but we're getting back we're to work. We're here. I'm Brittany Petrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But, but First, Let's, Let's Talk, Talk Nerdy. Nerdy. All right, Martha. Okay, I can fuck with that. You go first. It's still kind of pledgy, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, Martha, what are you doing what this week? What am I doing this week? <laughs> so this week I'm going to talk about The Night of the Laughing Tree, which is from A Song of Ice and Fire, and why I think it is Lyanna Stark. This is not obviously just my theory, but it is. It's mine. But, like, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, obviously it's this. And then I read other people's theories and was like, well, these people are clearly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as as one does. As you know, I'm a huge fan of Lyanna Stark. One of the first times that we, like, got very fucking hammered together. Arisha! Yeah! <laughs> was as Lyanna, and she's my babe. So my sources this week are a wiki of ice and fire, and then an article called The Night of the Laughing Tree, shedding light on why R plus L equals heart emoji, which, fuck that title, by Rob McKenzie. Uh, the Night of the Laughing Tree from Game of Thrones books is a mysterious character with more impact on the plot than you realize by Charlotte Allen. And then what you need to know about the Night of the Laughing Tree in Game of Thrones by Stephen Roger. So, the Night of the Laughing Tree was a mysterious knight that fought at the tourney of Harrenhal in, this has years, it's not important, 281 AC. That means absolutely nothing to me. It means very little to me, and you know I'm, like, fucking hard into this shit, too. And I'm still like, okay, AC, whatever. The only reason I ever look at the years is because I'm like, okay, you were this age at this time and this age at this time. I have to do some vague math at some point. Uh, he defended the honor of a Cronogman, which is, um, like, sort of swamp people that live kind of around Winterfell in, like, swampy places. So, basically, um, he defended the honor, he, quote-unquote, obviously, I don't think that's the case, by challenging um, and defeating three knights whose squires had bullied the Cronogman, demanding that they chastise the squires in order to ransom back their horses and armor. The Knight of the Laughing Tree is so called this because on um, their shield, there's the smiling weirwood. The weirwood is the, like, white, spooky trees that kind of have faces up in Winterfell. Um, His true identity, his, hmm, remains unknown. We first hear about the Knight of the Laughing Tree. You hear a bunch of shit about the tourney at Harrenhal first, because the tourney at Harrenhal is the one where... Rhaegar is like, hey, so I think you, Lyanna, are the most beautiful person, sorry, wife, who is sitting right there. I'm just going to push you out of the <laughs> way for a second and give my favor to her. Hmm, it's fine and not awkward at all. So that's where that's the most well-known. But we hear this story in the book from Mira Reed, who is... um one of the Cronogmen, and who also was Helen Reed's daughter. But basically, so um, you've got 
Mira and Jojen Reed, who are traveling with Bran, they come to Winterfell and they're like, hey, we pledge our allegiance, blah, blah, blah. And then they go off to travel. That part's not important. But along the way, they're talking about this tale and Jojen is like, oh, I'm sure you've heard it probably like a hundred times from your father. And Bran's like, no, I've, I've never heard this story before. I don't know what you're talking about. So basically, the story is a chronogman, most likely Mira's father, Helen Reed, attended the tourney at Heron Hall. Um, so the tourney at Heron Hall is to welcome uh, Jamie Lannister into the um, King's Guard. So that's what's happening there. Um, everybody comes down to be like, yay, yay, Jamie, you're kind of a dick, but it's fine. You're not that much of a dick at this point because you're still a baby. The Cranogman, who I'm just going to call Howland because saying Cranogman every time sounds annoying. I'm annoying my fucking self, so here we are. They don't say out and out that it's Howland, but it is, so it doesn't really matter. He finds himself bullied by these three squires who are these, these three fucking, you know, teenage tools just because he was shorter and smaller than all of them. And also they're 15-year-old boys. So you know how that goes. They're like, oh, well, you're small and dumb and I'm 15 and bigger than you and you don't have a very good weapon and I can take it away and then we can make fun of you and try to beat you up. And then uh, Lyanna Stark comes in and is like, um, what the fuck? This is my father's bannerman. You guys can't do this. Don't be a dick. And she takes out a tourney sword and she just beats them all away. Which, always. No matter what fake world we're in. Or we're they're always the fucking them. worst. Always the fucking worst. I'm always disappointed in them. Okay. Be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she takes Howland back to their tent and cleans him up and introduces him to the rest of their family and stuff like that. And then that evening, um, she persuades him to uh, join them at the feast at the start of the tournament. She's like, you're highborn. You have as much of a right to be here as anybody else. And it doesn't matter what these fucking nerds are saying and the fact that they don't understand your people. Because it's not important. Fuck them. If they come around again, I will tell them to fuck off again. She's my babe. And then during the feast, you also have Rhaegar in the corner performing some sad songs because of course that is exactly who he is and part of the story is that he performs a sad and beautiful song that makes Liana cry like oh babe but she is a baby so you know what are you gonna do just beat some boys up you can cry if you beat boys up it's fair not from that unless you're crying from happiness (laughs) that's also fair But yeah, so there's a lot of, like, in the story, they have a lot of kind of red herrings. Um, They talk about Oberyn Martell. They talk about this woman who they sometimes talk about being John's mom, Ashara Dane, who is definitely not whatever. And then during the feast, both Howland and Lyanna recognize the three squires who are still there. And she points them out to her brothers and one of her older brothers, Benjamin. So um, they see the squires, these shitty fucking dickheads. They're all around and they're jousting and this and that. And they've each won a place among the champions. And then late on the afternoon, on the second day, there's a, a mystery knight that shows up. He's short. 
I know you meant like mm-hmm. night, like mystery night. And I was like, it's mystery night. I'm it's like a theme night. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. <For a> dance. <laughs> I would like that actually. It could be both mystery night, but also mystery night. Mystery night shows up for mystery oh. night. Oh, hmm? it's like mystery date. We should find that game. Yeah, actually true. Okay, anyways, sidebar. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> We've gone off the fucking deep end, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, so these nerds are there, and they see them doing well at jousting. And at one point, Benjamin, who is uh, Liana and Eddard's younger brother, is like, I can find you a horse and There's some... more of them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you have Ned. Yeah. You have Liana, who is his younger sister. Yeah. The only two I knew about. You have Benjamin, okay, who is their youngest brother, and then you have Brandon, who is the oldest. Brandon's dead. He was supposed to marry. Oh, I remember him. Mm -hmm. I remember him. Yeah, and then Benjamin, you actually meet at the beginning of the first book because he's still alive. He's not dead yet. Remember him? I do remember the oldest. He's he's part of the Night's Watch. Okay. Oh. Oh, yeah! The uncle! Yep, yep. The uncle's missing! Yeah! Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so Benjamin's like, I can get you, like, I don't know, some sort of a, a horse or something like that. And then he's like, um, I would like to get vengeance, but also I can't fucking make a fool of myself and they know who I am. I can't pretend to be this person. Vengeance is so much effort. Mm-hmm. You know what's less effort? Sitting back and watching your sweet bitch friend get vengeance for you. <laughs> That's fair. Mm-hmm. Second day of the tourney, they get this mystery night that mystery night <laughs> that uh, signs up. <laughs> and um, short armor doesn't fit and it's all mismatched and shit like that. Uh, the shield, like I said, has the white weirwood with the laughing red face on it. They don't say that it's the same shield that was previously mentioned for Howland Reed because it's not him. So the Mystery Knight challenges and defeats all three of the previous knights. And then when they're like, okay, you won. What do you, what do you fucking win here? And he's like, um, if you can tell your fucking shithead squires to learn a goddamn lesson and not be the absolute worst, that would be super, super good. I beat your ass, and that means I can double beat their ass, so tell them to fuck off. You know, that's paraphrasing, but you know where that was going. Wait, you mean he didn't write those words in his book? Uh, that was exactly <laughs> George R. R. Martin's, but there was some, like, flowery descriptions of food and also mirish lace. <laughs> I understand you don't understand a clothes, and then you just throw mirish lace in whenever you don't know what to n- talk about, and that's okay. and then of course these three knights are like oh well sorry and then they also the squires get made fun of and chastised in front of everybody beautiful what a wonderful story heartwarming so this mystery knight attracted some unwanted attention Robert Baratheon really wanted to unmask him which would have been crazy awkward because Yeah. yeah But well, yeah, and also awkward. Robert was like, I love you, Liana, so fucking much. And she's like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> um, and then King Aaron. How demasculine 
Oh my god. <laughs> fucking liana <laughs> uh, he, uh, he probably would have just committed seppuku right there see but at this point robert was young enough that oh, he might have been able to change oh this is pre him pre marrying everything. cersei pre pre most things i mean he's still like let's not be real he's, he's still he, sh- he shouldn't be a king he's the worst fucking king <laughs> but he's not king yet um he's just hanging around Eris is king right now. Right? Right now! <laughs> yeah, so Eris is also like, um, who the fuck is coming around and fucking up my tourney and this and that? I'm sure it's my enemy because I'm incredibly paranoid about everything. Which I mean, if you're a king, you should be paranoid about mm-hmm. everything. Also, if you're incredibly inbred, it probably doesn't help. That's true. But you should be paranoid. I'm paranoid, and I'm absolutely no one. <laughs> but yeah, King Eris was like, oh, it's definitely Jamie Lannister, which it was not. <laughs> and then he told a bunch of people, all of his own knights, uh, when the just resumed the next morning to unmask and expose him, which, of course, by the next day, he had peaced right the fuck out of there, and um, the king was... Very angry by this, certain that someone close to him had given him warning about it. And then an angry heiress sent his men, including Prince Rhaegar, to search for the vanished knight, but only his shield could be found, abandoned by a tree. So who could this lovely traitor be? It's definitely Rhaegar. Rhaegar's like, bro, you're very pretty and I'm in love with you. So this theory leads into how they would have met and why they would have already had feelings before he was like, hey, here's this. And before he took her away. And it also takes away all of the like nonsense kidnapping bullshit. But that's a different theory that's going more into Liliana and Rhaegar are John's parents, which they are. They're definitely John's parents. So can John have a direwolf and a dragon? Yeah! Oh my God. Fuck yeah. Jon Snow, you suddenly become so much more attractive. Jon Snow <laughs> is the song of ice and fire, because you've got it on both that's, sides. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, like, ugh, I wish he was more interesting. <laughs> right. He is pretty fucking yeah. vanilla. Uh, especially when you hear about fucking Liana. And you have the best fucking direwolf in your fucking... Best fucking direwolf. You're fucking vanilla. You have a fucking direwolf. Your, like, first love is a baller fucking bitch. And then she dies and that's sad. Who's that? Um, Igreet. Have you gotten there? Mm -mm. Shit. I mean, it's not really a spoiler. Every single everything ever has also been spoiled for me. Yeah. That wasn't quite a sense. It's a, um, they have a good love story. Oh, you know what? I think I remember seeing him killing her because she's a wild. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. In one of the random episodes I watched. Okay. So, like I said, it's a thousand billion percent. I'm just going to keep. Never got bigger. It, it, it might have gotten a little, just the smallest bit bigger. <laughs> it's infinity percent. It's infinity percent true, and I'm right. And if I'm not right, George R. R. Martin, change your book because I should. You be. still have time. You still. Have There's one still time. time. You never confirmed anything. Oh, 
<laughs> so, why is this? Why? why? Tell me why. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ugh, it could be worse. I could have just sang the rest of my reasons. And then I was like, no, that bit's too shitty. First thing first, when Mira is telling this story to Bran, Jojen pipes in and is like, uh, you've probably heard this story a hundred times because it's about your fucking aunt, which he doesn't say it's because it's about your fucking aunt, but you know what I mean. And then Bran's like, no, I haven't because they never talk about Lyanna because there's a lot of tragedy there. And also there's a lot of complications there. Not only a lot of tragedy, but a lot of weirdness, weirdness, complications, nothing that's super spelled out and then also like the only person who knows anything about it is ned and his like liana's dying words are promise me ned which is probably promise me you'll take care of my baby and also you'll keep your fucking mouth shut i know you're kind of bad at that but here we go somebody has to be the sneaky stark You should know the story because you've heard it a thousand times before because it's about your aunt, because it's your family story. Bam. Second reason, you've got this mystery knight who comes in, has to have known about Howland Reed's experience. So either was there watching Howland Reed, so it was either Howland or Lyanna, or it was somebody who she told about it, so it was one of her other dumb brothers. And because it's also shorter... They talk about the Night of the Laughing Tree being short. It's either going to be Howland, who is short, Liana, or Benjen, who is still kind of a child at this point. But Howland already was like, no, I'm not going to do that thing because I don't want to make a fucking ass out of myself. And Benjen isn't a spitfire and also kind of a little bitch. Ugh, I love her. And then this knight is also competent enough to outjoust three actual knights in the tourney and they regularly talk about liana being basically part horse because she spent so much time on top of a horse they also when they're talking about Arya learning how to like fight and do this and that they talk about how Arya reminds everybody of liana because liana was exactly that type if you had given her a sword or anything she would have picked it up and gone right to it because that's who she was so yeah, ass kicker makes sense. It fits. And then you've got all this mismatched armor. So it's just got to be armor that's like gathered around. Also, it's going to be armor that will fit a smaller person. So it's not belonging to any actual factual knight. It's just some nerd who's like, hey, your squires fucking suck and are dickheads. I'm not here for this. And you should tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> And then also the fact that Rhaegar and his men are sent off to find the Knight of the Laughing Tree and they only find the shield gives Rhaegar a reason to meet Lyanna before like, they actually meet in the tourney, before they run off away together and have baby John, before everything goes to absolute fucking hell. It also basically means that the reason behind Robert's Rebellion, the, like, kidnapping and rape of Lyanna, quote-unquote-unquote-unquote-unquote, are total fucking bullshit. And that turns everything on its fucking head. 
gross. And, like, you know, you've got, like, your goony emo bro over here who's, like, strumming on his lute, playing something lovely. And then you've got fucking Robert who's like, look at my hammer! Who are you gonna pick? The <laughs> what hammer are we talking about? Are we talking like Thor's hammer? I mean, it's a big hammer. <laughs> He's got a. It's Does a, it conduct electricity? No, no it's just a war good. hammer. Yeah, he. But you know, he fights with a hammer. He can't be a king. Sorry, Thor. He was a king. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, a lot of the problems that I have with Thor being a king. Are similar problems, but much. Thor really wants to be king. Exactly, (laughs) and you know who else doesn't want to be king and shouldn't be? Robert. Robert. Mm -hmm. People who fight with hammers don't actually want to be king. No, because they want to fight people. All they want to do is fight people and fight people and fight people until they're dead. And I feel like I can stand by that. That really fits here. So basically, if this is true, which it is, because I'm right. If the night of the laughing tree is what I live with, people. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I'm really right about things. Most of the time, I'm not, and when I'm not, I'm <laughs> not going to talk about that part. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, if the night of the laughing tree is Lyanna Stark, which seems to be certain, that would almost mean that her avenging. Howland Reed is probably what made Rhaegar fall in love with her. That's probably what started their whole affair. And then also that he has a huge impact on the rest of the story, not just with John being their fucking child, but also the fact that Robert's rebellion is just bullshit. It's it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. And the reason that they've completely changed their monarchy and the reason that all of this nonsense fucking happens is on an unfounded rumor that they used because they didn't want to be like, oh, Liana wanted to go sleep with somebody else who wasn't Robert because you're a fucking tool. Male egos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gross. Do you want to sleep with the actual version of toxic masculinity? Or would you like to sleep with this goony little poet over here who's also got a dragon? <laughs> I was going to say who has a dragon? Yeah. And baller fucking wept like doesn't want a dragon. He's got a dragon, and he'll write you songs, and they're not shitty. <laughs> I don't want you to write me songs, but I write me a song dragon. about me and your dragon, and rhyme everything. I'm gonna write you a song, and we'll see how awkward it is. It, if it doesn't include a dragon, I'm not telling. Uh, it was obviously gonna include Luna the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. All right, tune in next time. For this version of this song. Which it's is- going to go to our theme song. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Sam's version. Yeah. Shout out, listener Sam. Shout out, listener Sam. You made our theme song longer so that we can sing about... Luna. Luna. The dragon. The dragon. And Martha loving her. I love her. It's I wrote that part of the song Probably going to be part of the song. <laughs> That's basically just gonna be the song. I'm just gonna be like Luna the Dragon. I love her. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Okay, well that's that. That blah, is blah, fucking blah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luna the Dragon. Luna the Dragon. <laughs> I mean, if you were a prince, I would date you rather than toxic masculinity with a hammer.
I mean, if you have a dragon, I will date you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll throw that out there right now. <laughs> it's the Beauty and the Beast where she goes in and is like pushing him out of the way just so she can get into the library, except for it's with pets. <laughs> it's I'm true. Just imagine walking into a ba, 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 giant ba, 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 room, ba, ba, but instead ba, ba, of it being a library, ba, ba. it's just all different animals living in harmony. Oh. <laughs> okay, I get why you were making that stupid face. <laughs> yes, except kangaroos, because their pouches are weird. <laughs> yeah, no. You, you're not invited, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I don't like you anymore. If you had a furry pouch, that would be different. <laughs> this all sounds just the worst. It's okay, the other episode about our pouch will come out, yeah, out everyone's on Tuesday. Know. We'll already know. Learn stuff about kangaroo pouches. <gasps> or don't, maybe <laughs> don't. You probably don't. Have you thought about not doing that? What's new on the 42 cast? Let's ask my co-hosts. We're talking about Doctor Who. Comic book shows and movies. And we're talking about all things Star Trek. (laughs) And so much more. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. It's only on the 42 cast. Your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So Nathan, when are we finally talking Babylon 5? topic today i am doing some christmas in july and i'm talking about baby it's cold outside (laughs) all right lay it on me all right my references (laughs) fuck you (laughs) i read an article titled uh, listening while feminist in defense of baby it's cold outside by someone called Sleigh Bell. <laughs> <laughs> you can I heard the sleigh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one called <laughs> And the War on Baby It's Cold Outside. It's feminist, really, by Chris Willman. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to, at some point, bring up the Tom Jones version, but I won't bring it up yet. Okay, so, Baby Cold Outside was written by Frank Lozier. Um, It was introduced to the public in 1949 in the film Neptune's Daughter. So, while the lyrics make no mention of a holiday, it is popular, popularly... Regarded as a Christmas song, uh, owing to the winter theme of the song. It's cold outside. Yes, baby. Actually, it's really hot outside. It's very hot outside here in Vegas. Christmas Uh, (laughs) and July. Um, The song was released in eight recordings in 1949 and has been covered numerous times since. Mm. So... A little backstory of it. During the 1940s, whenever Hollywood celebrities with vocal talents attended parties, they were expected to perform songs. So in 1994, that sucks. 1994, in 1944, <laughs> our bro Frank here wrote Baby It's Cold Outside to sing with his, life, his wife, Lynn Garland. She is his life. <laughs> that is not true. Um, at their housewarming party in New York, 
They sang the song to indicate to the guests that it was time for them to leave. I like that. We should, if we ever throw a party, which we won't, because I hate people. And I don't know about you, but I hate people and I hate cleaning up after people. But uh, I like the idea of having a song that says, get the fuck out. Yeah, basically. And uh, it ended up becoming a great success for that cute little, like, parlor room star parties. So they ended up getting invited to a lot of the best parties, uh, basically to perform Baby It's Cold Outside as a way to basically kick all the guests out. That would be my literal... Yeah. That's exactly the job I want, to sing, to, like, make people... Well, not sing. I don't want to do that. But, like, just to kick people out, it's like you're a bouncer with your voice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. In 1948, that's when he sold it to MGM. And then in 1949, the romantic comedy Neptune Starter came out. The song won the 1949 Academy Award for Best Original Song. Fast forward many years. <laughs> so since 2009, the song has faced some criticism for <coughs> the presumed implications of its lyrics as depicting sexual assault or harassment. Mm-hmm. In 2018, the airing of the song was even canceled by a number of radio stations due to some listeners' concerns about the lyrics, but later was reinstated after a public backlash. And I can get it, because the, if you pick it all apart yeah. and just look at certain lyrics mm-hmm. and even some versions. Well, I'm sure if you have no context. Yes. So if you're only like going to say, and I, I talk about that a little bit, yeah. grab certain lyrics without, and, and uh, with just reading it as it says, without mm-hmm. anything, anything around it, relating it back to the 1940s, like any of that, there, there could be, I, and then there are some that kind of sound not so innocent and playful, but that's not what the song is about no. and it's not how it should be portrayed. And the fact of the matter is that Baby It's Cold Outside isn't at all about rape, and it's actually more about feminism. It's a witty, ahead-of-its-time song of women owning their sexuality and sexual wants and desires. Baby It's Cold Outside is a story of women doing battle, but not with the guy who won't take no for an answer, with the expectations of a society that won't take yes for an answer. The most critical word in the whole piece is ought, as in, I ought to say no, 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 sir. She isn't trying to fend off his advances. She is mouthing excuses as she can, sir. At least I can say that I try. Mm-hmm. Me, anytime anybody tries to also, like, oh, I'll pay. I'm like, I'll also yeah. pay. Slowly, Please don't let me put my credit card trying down. to find my credit card. <laughs> I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to say the thing where yep. I don't have to also pay. Yep. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. You're such a gentleman. <laughs> now, we have to remember, he isn't going to be the one that's going to face judgment by needing no. to sneak home in the middle of the night, whereas she can take off at least three members of her family and nosy neighbors who will notice when mm-hmm. she sneaks in after hours. The lyrics, my mother will start to worry. My father will be pacing the floor. The neighbors might think. Mm-hmm. My sister will be suspicious. My brother will be there at the door. My maiden aunt's mind is vicious. It's all about people... Like shitty relatives. And people putting their expectations on her. We also need uh, to not forget that she's 
literally making reasons to stay. Well, maybe just a half a drink more and maybe just a cigarette more. These are both things that she asked for. He doesn't push them on her. I know a lot of people fixate on the line, say what's in this drink. And I think that's the most controversial Mm -hmm. line. Automatically, it's booze. Uh, automatically assuming that he's trying to get her drunk or uh, or that he drugged it. Other than the fact that it's just kind of flirty, say what's in this drink needs to be explained in a broader context so that you understand that it's not an idea that he spiked her drink. Say what's in her drink was a well-used phrase common in movies at this time. And it uh, hmm, is... I didn't know that. Yes. The phrase generally referred to someone saying or doing something that they wouldn't do in normal normal circumstances. Denied to the idea that alcohol is making them do it. But the joke is usually there was never anything in the drink. They were just blaming the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I said, it was a common phrase of the time to put blame on booze if you're doing something that society is seeing you're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. The drink is just an excuse. The drink is a shield someone uses that gets to hold in front of them to protect them from criticism. She is instead just trying to buy time to convince herself to stay, which is really what she wants to do, instead of worrying about what everyone else will think of her and shame her for wanting to have sex with this mm-hmm. man. Sorry, men, aunt. Yeah, fuck you, you, bitch. Mm-hmm. Also, sidebar, but important. Roofies weren't actually invent- invented until 1975, and benzodiazepine, which is the type of drug that a roofie is, mm-hmm. wasn't created until 1955, which oh, is all after. after this song came out. We also need to remember that this is all happening right in the middle of World War II, and female sexuality was just starting to change at this point. At the time period that the song was written, the good girl, especially young unmarried girls, did not spend the night at a man's house unsupervised. The tension in the song comes from her own desire to stay and society's expectations that she needs to go. Mm-hmm. Women were supposed to be waiting until marriage and be looked down upon as a scene in a compromising position with the man before he put a ring on it. I couldn't just go to a bar. Find a uh, willing guy, slap a rubber on him, and ride him until the sun comes up. I mean, you could, but it was it was frowned upon. It's still a little bit frowned upon, but you do whatever the fuck you want. You do you, be safe. You do you. Be sane. So you, you willing consensual slap on that rubber. Yep. Wrap it before you tap it, everyone. So, <laughs> moving on. Sex education with Brittany. Did I not drown before? I'm still considering drowning. (laughs) This woman. (laughs) Help. This woman and man are having an intimate time together, and he's far less constrained by social expectations. So he can ask her to stay, and he's just going to assume that she'll turn him down, except that she doesn't want to. It's like her mother, her father, her aunt, the neighbors, they all want her to go home in this awful storm that's happening. Imagine being having a lovely time. Someone's neighbor who's that invested in them getting not laid. Like bewitched. The fucking nosy neighbor. Yeah. Bitch. But I just want everyone to know to continue on with Martha and Brittany's sex talk. <laughs> women like to have sex too. I know it's shocking, but we also like to have mm-hmm. sex. So 
Now we can talk a little bit more about Dude Bro in the story or in the song. <laughs> People will be like, well, she keeps saying no, and he just keeps trying to convince her otherwise not to go, and blah, 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 blah. And I'll be the first one to say, no means no, okay? No. She never once says no. She says she ought to say no, 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 like I said up in the previous paragraph. Never once she's like, no, bro. <laughs> No, bro. She's always like, I ought to say no. I really should go. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, what are, what are all these people going to think? I should leave. It's all what she should be doing. The guy in the song even makes some really weird and funny arguments. He, like, says threatens of ammonia, which, you know, maybe that bitch aunt would be okay with if she knew her fucking niece would catch an ammonia if she didn't have a sleepover. Sorry, I thought you said ammonia, and then I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Pneumonia. That makes much more sense. Pneumonia, Martha. Like, is he poisoning her? (laughs) Have I not heard this verse? (laughs) There's a poisoning verse and nobody told me? What the fuck? But what he's really doing is just providing her with a list of excuses on why she can stay since he's clearly getting the vibe that she wants to, mm-hmm. and he clearly wants her to stay as well, because they're both consenting adults. Get and some. They both want to get some. Motherfuckers. <laughs> but honestly, he's really just a secondary character in the song. Not it's, important. He's not some dangerously ascending wolf who's going to, like, pounce on her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about her <laughs> coming to her own desires. Dun, 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 dun. Three little pigs. Dun, dun, she dun, she dun, isn't dun, in dun. the fucking like straw house, okay? Mm-hmm. She's in the fucking brick house, and she's gonna let the wolf in. Do you think he is a wolf? He might just be another pig. You could just have another pig over. I love pigs. Exactly. Okay, so the song, which is back and forth, closes with two voices in harmony. And this is very important because they end up basically coming together. They're happy. They're at an agreement. The music has a wonderfully dramatic up up, and uh, ends on a high note. And they both are literally and figuratively excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to fucking kick you. (laughs) <laughs> the song ends with the woman doing what she wants and not what she's expected to do. So there's something encouraging and nice about that message. So this was a shorter one. I'm already done. But I figure um, I had fun with it while talking about something that's super important that isn't Christmas. Mm-hmm. Though Christmas is super important. But, you know, feminism is important. You um, can have both. Yes. Wrap your feminism in a bow. <laughs> exactly. You can unwrap this a, it. This is a fun and flirty song about a female fighting with herself over what she wants and what society says she should want. Comic Jen Kirkman posted a tweet and it she sums it up really, really good. So I'm just going to read the tweet. Uh, she says, I'm so tired of this. This song seems odd now, not because it's about cursing sex, but about a woman who knows her reputation is ruined if she says the song has a lot to teach us about society, about how society views women's sexuality. But the lesson of the song is not that it's forcing a woman into sex. If you want to be outraged, be outraged. What the song is actually about the double standard in regards to sex that women face in uh, how nothing much has changed. And then enjoy the song because it's delightful. It's cute. Yeah. So. Ba-da-da-ba, yeah. Ba-ba. I 
didn't know where to like put this in, so I just like left like a sidebar so we could chat about it. Uh-huh. Uh Kelly Clarkson and John Legend, they did a version where they changed all the words to it, and it's so extremely boring. It makes the guy seem like one, he has no game. There absolutely is no flirt like it clearly is like like I get what they were trying to do, but I was like, if this this song isn't flirty, it's not fun. It's not, fun. It's not about two people Who like do it. flirting with each other, but not directly being like, Hey, let's bone. Yeah. Because that's already in a thousand other songs. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We don't want to talk about it for Christmas. You know, (laughs) it's just, it's not good. We'll have to listen to it at some point. There's also, my favorite version of anything is the Tom Jones version, but (laughs) just the fact that whoever he is singing with has the most like cigarette-y raspy voice in the entire world. I really can't stay. <laughs> That's that sounds like an exaggeration. It is absolute not. That's much weirder. What? <laughs> now it sounds like she's trying to make excuses to stay, and he's like, "But, but Murray's here." <laughs> Murray's here. Also, I'm really good friends with Murray. Just, just say, Murray. I'm really good friends with your driver. They go on first name basis. Would you let me know what Murray's number is? This is where my brain went. I was like, oh, I guess I'm gonna go ship somebody else. Like. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be more fun. Obviously. I bet Murray's more flirty. Clearly. Why don't they talk about that your brother is a fucking judgy dickhead? Also, that you live with your brother still. And stop singing music. Why didn't we change the cigarettes? I was just gonna have a quick vape, a quick jewel with my bros. Quick <laughs> jewel, no big deal. <laughs> Maybe just a joint more. It's just, fine. Just a quick joint. Just just a quick one. You know, like, I need to lie down on your floor for a minute. See, isn't it just lame? <laughs> Murray! <laughs> I like Murray. That's what you got from this. Oh, ready? He's coming back. Murray's coming I'm back. excited. What the fuck, Murray? Don't tell Murray what to do! I know you pay him, but still. He's been waiting for you while you sang a whole fucking song. I don't know if he's getting double time, but he should be. This song. And then she made sure to say that she doesn't want to go. We all fucking know. We know what the song means. Subtext. And clearly she doesn't fucking want to go because we have brains and we can read between the fucking lines. And if you can't, don't fucking talk to me. Murray. Murray can read between the lines. Are Murray you can't kidding? read between the lines. Murray's like, come on. I'm, it's blizzarding out here. Make your decision so that I can leave. I can't believe that you brought me all the way out here in a fucking blizzard to say, oh, no, I'm actually going to stay, Murray. It's fine. It's, it's fine, Murray. Are you okay? I, I only have one more drink. Ugh. Fuck you guys. Poor Murray, trying to get back home to his fucking family. You so much. I'm done. Turn this off. Oh wait, we're not done yet. We aren't done yet. But also, like, 
It's not my fault. I did not insert a random name into the... I was like, what do we run this with? Murray. <laughs> but it's just still... Ugh. Like, every part of that is dumb, but that's the dumbest I'd part. rather drink Lemon Pledge. <laughs> All right. Oh, we're no, we're not done. We're not done. Remember, as always, rate, review, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot because I can't say anything at the end because <laughs> nope. I fuck it up always. I'll just drink loudly. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Find us on Podbeam. We're also part of the ESO network. So give it the five star. Give Thanks. us that awesome review, even though this episode was rough. Rough. It might get better. <laughs> you don't know because you won't hear those cuts. And everyone, you just hear my voice crack like everyone. <laughs> best boy over here. Hey. Um. All right, everyone, stay safe. Remember, wear your mask. Wash your hands. We're still in a pandemic here. Yeah. And we will see you next Tuesday. Happy birthday, Steve Rogers. Luna, 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 the dragon, the dragon, Luna, Luna, the dragon, Luna, the dragon, and Martha. I love her. Loving her. I love her. Luna, the dragon. Luna, the, the dragon. dragon, and Martha. I love her. Loving her. I love her. Luna, the, the dragon. dragon. Luna, the, the dragon. Luna, the dragon. Luna, the dragon. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at ESONetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.